What's up, Ding Dongs? It's right me, out Corey Kraft. Right out of the gate. I just wanted to just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to the Side Talks podcast, where we talk about all things cinema. We're the official podcast of the Sidewalk Film Festival and the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. Again, this is Corey Kraft, your co-host, and I'm here with... Rachel Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I lobbed it up uh, and I was waiting for you to spike I it. And you just kinda it. like you just kinda I like didn't do it. Just kinda tossed it over didn't the net instead. It. You didn't spike it, but you, it, you made contact yeah. but wasn't yeah. super intense. Uh anyway, what's up, ding dongs? Um we're gonna talk about some movies now. What's this shit? I got one for you today. Uh oh. I don't know if we we might have done this one before, so just keep that in mind. Okay. I don't want to be held responsible if we have. I mean, I'm probably still not gonna get it. But I, I think you might get this one. I recently okay. watched this random reasons why, and I didn't I didn't make it all the way through. It was a it was a whole thing. But I I'm gonna describe the scene from memory. Usually I wa- you know, I I seek something out or I, you know, make sure to to look at something and take some notes and bring the notes into you. But I'm just gonna go cold here with from from memory. All right. Because this thing has stuck with me as being just so damn bad. And I do know I've seen the whole thing in the past, but I it, somewhere some gift came along and erased memory. So I have this vague sort of like <laughs> pings that happen when I'm watching it. But somebody did me a favor and took this out of my brain. So I've seen the whole thing, but um, I, you know, I don't really recollect the vast majority of it. In this scene, there's a young woman and a young man. Okay. And uh, they're both very famous actors. Hmm. And one of them is coming into the other's, uh, I think it's an apartment. It looks like an apartment. I don't think it's a house. And, um, and, and with a bag full of stuff, like, yeah. And she's, it's over the top. What's happening is over the top. They are clearly dating. Okay. One another. And she is putting little stuffed animals places on shelves and whatnot. And she's got a plan. And she says, this is our love fern. A love fern. Yeah. And he and the gentleman's kind of like, all right. And he's clearly annoyed and being Mr. Cool Guy, but also trying to, you know, kind of appease her a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh, placate her a little bit. And yeah, I, I can't believe... Do you know you don't have any idea no. what this is? So clearly it's a romantic comedy, right? Rom-com. We gather that. Um it is in the last twenty, maybe twenty-five years, okay, I would so. say. It's one that has definitely been on heavy rotation on things like Netflix and at some point at least. And heavy or Hulu. On Netflix. It's I mean it's it's one of those that rises to the top and I don't know why. Hmm. Rom com. Love fern. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm going to illustrate this a little bit further by okay. saying she is clearly over the top. Like it's, she's doing all kinds of annoying things. I see. So this is how to lose a guy in 10 days. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. And, and it's McConaughey. And Kate Hudson. Yes. I've never seen this movie. <laughs> it is completely detached from reality. Yeah. And it is intensely offensive. It's also one of those where, where the whole get at with this thing is mm-hmm. the whole setup here is that a friend of hers does things, you know, that annoys guys, Corey, that, that causes the, the things that women do that just drives men away. Uh-huh. And this is why men will never, you know, you can never land a good one. This is that string of films that are like, he's just not that into you. And this perpetuating this concept that, you know, women are annoying and, uh-huh. and should just sit back and do what men want to do and behave themselves. And then they'll catch a, you know, a husband as if that's something to fucking catch. <laughs> and 
it pisses me off intensely. And it's so like nobody acknowledges the film itself doesn't really acknowledge, at least from what I've seen, that he's being just as fucking annoying as she is. Perish the thought. Right? Like, he's got the game on in the background, and he's, like, trying to watch it while he eats and pretending like he's paying attention to her. And, of course, they're both working in advertising and trying – both of them are playing a game, right? Sure, sure. He's, he's got a bet that he can get her to fall in love with him or some shit. Ugh. And she's got a bet that she can do the – she's writing an article. Um, right. I think she's in – maybe she's in sort of journalism slash advertising, but she's – yeah, that's what it is. She's journalist, uh, in quotes. And um, and so she's writing an article about, you know, for like a Cosmo kind of magazine that's, a, you know, here are the annoying things that women need to quit doing so they can get get a man finally. Stop nagging. Stop nag. Stop buying plants and calling them love ferns. Fuck off. Um, yeah, I haven't seen this movie just because it <laughs> looks and sounds like it fucking sucks. And I just I mean, never saw it. it's so terrible. Yeah. yeah but it, it's it's... You know, it's McConaughey, McConaughey. I mean, I will give it that. It's got him. You know, he's he's grinning ear to ear and doing his thing. I don't like him in rom coms. Yeah, I think he's he he excels when he's like a bit of a greasy creep. He's got to be a little bit of he's a greasy, a greasy creep. creep in this, though. He but is like, a greasy creep in this. If he if he's a greasy creep, you can't tell you can't sell him to me as a love interest, right? Yeah, he, like a square love interest who's just like. You know, basic dude. No, he's all, he's always got to be like, he doesn't have to go full beach bum, but he needs to be at least twenty five percent beach bum. I gotcha. Well, he's not in this. He's a he's a slick. He's a very slick. You know, high wheeling rich dude. Who's yeah. An see, I don't like that. Even even in the Wolf of Wall Street, where he's like the the um, hedge fund guy or whatever in yeah. that brief cameo, he's a little greasy and creepy. Well, he's a little greasy and creepy in this. I mean, I do, I do think that. But mm. I, what I, I had a discovery when I was watching this, mm-hmm. and that is that I do truly believe that Jay Moore oh, no. is a poor man's McConaughey. If you see just ten minutes of this, I think you'll be on board with that. Yeah. Okay. I can see it. I can. I don't really particularly like Jay Moore, but I. Oh, I don't, I don't know either. I if don't I've either. ever seen a role that he he like really popped in. But anyway, I took a pause on this one. I uh, oh, you didn't finish I How didn't, to Lose a Guy in Ten I didn't, Days. But I, I because mostly I was having a temperature boil at how I'm at. I was, but I plan to Susan Faludi style revisit this one at about the twenty minute mark, and I'll get back to you. It does sound like it runs completely contrary to everything that you believe and stand for. <laughs> terrible and now a look at what we're watching this week okay well guess what i've been watching what have you I been mean, watching other, other than, than sidewalk program sidewalk program stuff um i revisited my favorite film which we've talked about and I, I had several but this was was top of my list and it certainly lived at the very top of my list for i think all of of probably fifth or sixth grade and i think it was six uh-huh. and that is silkwood <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the idea, and and I think we've we've mentioned it. I still haven't seen Silkwood, uh, and I love Mike Nichols, Mike and Nichols I love film, Meryl yeah. Streep, and I love Kurt Russell, and I love Cher, and yeah. I really don't need a whole lot of prodding to watch it. I do need to watch it one of these days. But I understand that it's a very solemn and serious movie, so the idea of this being your favorite movie of all time in sixth grade is kind of hilarious. It's it's uh, That's how I spent half the film, was just laughing at how strange and ridiculous it was that I really embraced this thing, and, <laughs> and actually took pen to paper and wrote Kermagee letters 
letters. And I mean, you can ask my mom. I was really pissed about what had happened to Karen Silkwood. And I was out to get Kerr McGee and, you know, really finally corner them and make them <laughs> confess to what they've done. And uh, yeah, and so I, la- I had a, a, a lot of laughs during this film for that reason, not that it's a, a super laughy film. But there are some, I, th- I do think that's kind of, you know, going back and having not seen it in probably 25, 30 years. I, I think that part of my enjoyment of it this time around was there are some kind of lighthearted moments in this thing. Mm. There's a there's a really fun scene, for example, where Karen Silkwood is um, is through through these gloves um, putting together plutonium rods. I'll just stop right there. Oh, it's hilarious! Really Laugh right. Um, no, but she blo- she she blows a bubble with her bubble gum and then reaches up with the glove to you know pull it <laughs> off her face, but it's through the glass. And and so then she asks for the help of another dude in the room who um, proceeds to. Uh, to come over and t- and you can tell it's it's just completely candid. Like he comes over and takes the gum from Meryl Streep and puts it in his yeah. mouth, and you can oh just tell in the interaction <laughs> that that she wasn't expecting him to do that, but they left it in. So there is some really sort of texture like that that's really wonderful. Do you know who co- who co-wrote this? Because I was shocked when this hit the screen. It's something I would never have noticed as a sixth grader. Uh, co-writer? No, I don't. Uh, Nora Ephron. This was okay. her first feature. Now it's it's co-written, yeah, but it, it's her first it's her first uh, feature script. I feel like I knew that at one point and forgot about it. But that is, you know, she she. Um, what's the what's the movie? Is it Heartburn? Yes. that's sort of yeah. loosely based on her yes. memoir that's slash right. novel. That comes out like a couple years later, right? I think so. I think that's correct. Um, so I, I guess she was she was already making she was already fairly famous as like a writer and as yep. a personality by this point. So it does kind of make sense that this would be an early entree, even though it, you know, in hindsight is kind of wildly different than anything else she was attached to ever for the I rest mean, of it her really, career. It's so it's so different. This film is really terrifying and it and it continues to hold up as an incredibly terrifying film. I mean, the thought that you as an employee, you know, would you would be sort of plutonium scanned and then have an entire layer of skin um, scrubbed off with a wire brush, yeah. which Ugh. this is all things that actually happen. Yeah. This isn't this is not a this is not a fiction I mean it's a fictional film obviously, but it is based in very much based in, in reality. And when I did a little, just a peek into the uh, background of this film uh, with so many more resources than I have on it than I, when I was in sixth grade, it, it is truly reflects what actually happened. So it's kind of a crazy thing. And this is, uh, I think probably more interesting for most people. This is where we have the Rome, the budding romance between Meryl Streep and Cher and their lifelong friendship and their love for one another. Yeah. And it is a, a case where we can once again say, while Meryl Streep, it appears is just an all around great person. Well, she was the happiest person in the room when, Share one best actress yeah. for Moonstruck, and uh, that didn't she beat Meryl Streep that year? I think too, she might have. We need to retract, some movie or another. Retractions on that one. Um, but just Meryl sure. Streep was nominated for an Oscar like all Every the time. Yeah, but she, I mean, so Cher said that she was really nervous about going on set. She hadn't had a ton of experience as an actor and she was so worried about playing against Meryl Streep and by the way Meryl Streep is coming off of just coming off of uh, Sophie's Choice yeah like she had just wrapped that film and so Cher said that immediately uh, Meryl broke the ice by walking up and grabbing her and hugging her and saying I'm so happy that you're here and it just it took her right to um, a place of camaraderie and 
another kind of we talked about makeup in the previous episode. Um, Cher, as I mentioned, in Silkwood, uh, Mike Nichols was a no makeup on Cher, so it's a very different looking Cher in this film. And Mike Nichols would walk up to her um, and rub his finger down her face to make sure that she didn't indeed have makeup on because, I mean, her skin is, is already uh, pretty gorgeous. So he was just, just wanting to make sure. And yes, uh, Meryl Streep lost the Oscar to Cher. For That's a movie cool. called Ironweed, which I've I know never seen. about Ironweed. That's where she's like homeless and she's in a toboggan on the cover. Uh, yeah. Um, also, Meryl Streep in Silkwood, nominated for Best Actress, yep. lost to Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment. Yeah. So Cher, I think, was nominated supporting, and I think Kurt Russell was nominated as well. I don't think any of them won. Yeah, I could I be wrong right. about now, all of these things that I'm throwing your uh, way. But Cher that's... did not win that year. That would have been supporting actress. I don't know. I can't pull it up yet, but it's somebody. Somebody, yeah, somebody great, I'm somebody sure. Somebody wants. Cher probably should have won. It's a great film. If you can, it's it's a bit of a, it's a little long in the tooth. If you can uh, tolerate that runtime, it's. I think it's worth the viewing. And I definitely think, Corey, that you would particularly enjoy it, especially with Mike Nichols' direction, Meryl Streep at the at the forefront of his thing and you do get to see Meryl Streep's boob in this something that she didn't she wasn't terribly thrilled about but she did say Karen would have done this and so she was on board to do wow. it yeah so that's what I've been watching cool um well I have been filling in some of my cinematic blind spots over the past week maybe Silkwood will be one of them that I that I get around to at some point very soon but I've been watching a lot of good stuff um I so I want to highlight some things pretty briefly um I did a double feature you would fucking hate Uh-oh. of uh, two Clint Eastwood directed no. westerns, no. Um, High Plains Drifter and Pale Rider. And I have to tell you, they were both tremendous. Um, they're kind of like, you know, the the dark side and the light side. He's essentially playing an unnamed stranger who may or may not be sort of a paranormal force of vengeance coming into western towns to defend um Western towns from these marauders, but in High Plains Drifter, he's kind of a satanic figure, like an evil uh, character, and the townspeople he's defending aren't much better. Um, in Pale Rider, it's a little different. It's um, um, mostly kind of a small uh, mining settlement and a little girl, and you know, one's kind of the dark side of America, one's kind of the good side of America, one made in the 70s, one made you know, in the middle of the Reagan era. So you can figure out which, which side that that was very rah, rah, sort of uh, the best of the American mythos uh, in pale rider. Um, But they're both really interesting movies, especially as points of comparison. And then later comparing it to unforgiven his later Western masterpiece, which I love. I know you don't like Clint Eastwood as an actor or director. And we've fought about both of those subjects before, but I got to tell you, he's an excellent director which I've already argued, no. especially an excellent director of Westerns. Um, the I do next, like Every Which Way But Loose. Every Which Way But Loose. Yeah, that is the least surprising Clint Eastwood movie Clyde. that you like. Um, and then a, another movie that is far more up your alley um, because it is on your 200 favorite movies list, which I just looked through, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know this. Uh, Bob Fosse's All That Jazz. Oh, man. Which, Was this your first viewing? That's one of the best movies ever made, right? Yeah. Is this your first view? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the best movies ever made. It was the incredible. First, the, I play the first... This My students hate this shit. Uh-huh. I play the first 10 minutes of this film for the my students. The on-Broadway sequence just, where everybody's stretching. And then I and, just turn and look at them and I'm like, that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. And <laughs> It's it just, not just like the on-Broadway shit. It's the whole... It's where that montage originates from. Uh-huh. The, the cutting of the... like. 
it's Showtime folks thing. Yeah. Against and then it's fucking it's it's like Fosse directing somebody playing Fosse. It's fucking oh, insane. Oh, I know. And Fosse directing his girlfriend playing the thinly veiled fictional version of that character's girlfriend. What the fuck? Um, this is it's brilliant. Nuts. And, it's and of fucking course, nuts. you know, spoiler alert for a 1979 movie, I guess. Um, the whole movie's about death. And the whole movie is like, you know, Bob Fosse essentially saying, I'm a horny little goblin who doesn't deserve to live. I'm going to drink and smoke my way to an early grave. Totally. And then the movie ends that way with the character just being like, I'm dead. And by Fuck the way, it. Jessica Lang is the angel of death. I like know, this whole thing so is just good. like, it's as if somebody sent you a pipe bomb, but like a, but like the most beautiful pipe bomb ever. And it's like in your face. But it's like. You know, it is it is some primo like cinema of self-loathing. Like Bob Fosse yeah. is just like this is a movie with all my shit in it. Like this is me uh and I hate myself, but I'm a perfectionist and I want all of you to love me to fill the void of me hating me. Uh and it's it's just a whole movie about that and Roy Scheider is just incredible in this movie i mean it's 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 a powerhouse performance have you seen some of the behind the scene pictures where bob fossey is dressed like bob fossey dresses Uh directing the actor dressed like bob fossey because it's amazing it's nuts oh my god i i went nuts for it i love it i don't love me i don't you know me i don't like musicals and this thing blow it'll blow your socks off it's an amazing fucking film and i guess i should say i also watched bob fossey's lenny which i had never seen his lenny bruce biopic with dustin hoffman and valerie perrine and i didn't think obviously it's not as good as all that jazz right but that same sort of like fast cutting experimental editing style that he's got in in cabaret and 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 all that jazz he's he's sort of working out in Lenny in the context of a biopic, um, which I think inherently makes it less interesting. But I was still pretty compelled by the style of Lenny and and the performances. Hoffman and, and Perrine are both really good. Um, but yeah, I, I got to finally watch Star 80 next. That's, you oh, know, man. I know Get it's ready. a very different type of movie. But it's an amazing fucking film. Yeah. And you know what I love too about the first, I just think jump into the first, if you have never seen all that jazz, jump into the first 10 minutes and tell me that you're not completely hooked because it's, it's also try to put yourself in that headspace of when this thing is made because yeah. it is that logo treatment too. Uh-huh. When the, when it just that right on point when, when the, when it lights up with the Broadway lights and it just feels so organic and the sound design is, is just sparkling. Yeah. It's a man. What an amazing film. That must've been really fun to watch for it the first time. It was incredible. Yeah. I had the best time and yeah, it looked, I mean, I've been fretting about this since we did our 200 favorite right. films list, but if we were to ever to revise that and present a revised version, yeah. of course that movie would also be on my yeah. favorite films list. I mean, it's just, it's just sublime. Agreed. So that's what I've been watching. That's what you've been watching. That's it, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Side Talk Podcast. We are your own personal cinematic street shark, street shark, <laughs> and dino saucer. Dino saucer. All right. So. Street Sharks is more of my time, I feel like, than Dino Saucer. Yeah, that seems right. I think Dino Saucer would have been more 80s and Street Shark would have been 90s. Street Sharks was definitely 90s. It was in the 
the the wake created by Teenage Mutant Ninja Makes Turtles sense. when all the cartoon people were like little boys like mutated animals jawing at they each do, other though. and fight punching each other in the streets. So we need more of that. They're swole. Those those little sharks are swole up, and those so are the dinosaurs too. I feel like also street sharks. I. I, you know, in the 90s, it gets a little fuzzy. Did the cartoon come first or did the toy line come first? And a lot of times, I, I guess they were coordinated know. together. Chicken or egg again. I, I think this could be a chicken or egg situation because there were Street Sharks toys, but I don't know if they were around before the show. We do know that they're jawsome. They're so jawsome. They were jawsome. Um, and eight-year-old Corey Kraft kind of liked them. They've the, Almost the same song. Street Sharks. It's like when it, whatever cartoon it was, you just sang the name like that of what you know, yeah. like Smurfs. Smurfs. <laughs> uh, anyway, the you know that reference is of course for our Saturday morning cartoons. Those are going to be two of the cartoons we show on that Saturday morning of Sidewalk. So that is free for that's free for everybody actually, um, and we also provide free cereal with that. So. Get your scrub ass down there and watch some free shit. <laughs> Get your scrub ass. I mean, down you can. There. You can come eat free. Like you know, sh- don't tell the entire homeless population of Birmingham because you know you won't get a seat. You're fucking cracking me up with the scrub ass in the it's outro true. of the last episode it's we're true. recording today. No pigeon. Somebody's mad right now. They're like, "How dare you, you pigeon!" <laughs> Oh, so uh, thanks to Boutwell Studios for putting our show together and putting up with our shenanigans every week. Thanks, Brad. My pleasure. And thanks to Revelator Coffee, our wonderful sponsor for all the silliness that we do on this podcast. Great Requires coffee. Requires coffee. It certainly does. Uh, sidewalkfest.com or at sidewalk film on social media where you can find information about Saturday morning cartoons and also everything else we're doing at the Sidewalk Ooh, Film and Festival. You know what? Destiny and Danielle are going to do a Bloody Mary bar. That's not going to be free, though, bitch. So you got to pay for that. You got to reach in that scrub pocket and pay for a Bloody Mary. But Danielle and Destiny are going to hook you up with that. Uh, that sounds good. Bloody yeah. Mary's breakfast cereal, 80s and 90s cartoons. 10th anniversary, so there might be cake. And you know what? Think about all the other shenanigans that are going to happen at this festival that we are not talking about on mic. Well, so, if you're a serious parent, you can walk over to the Lyric Theater. I don't get them all high on sugary cereal and a bunch <laughs> of bullshit. Back on my bullshit that I'm putting on the screen. Take them to the Lyric Theater where they can be read to and don't rot their brains on the crap that I'm going to throw on the screen at the Sidewalk Cinema. We're going to have story time at the Lyric following our opening night feature, Butterfly in the Sky, which is about reading Rainbow. We're going to have a storyteller come and read to the young'uns. Now that's like 10, 15 a.m. at the uh, Lyric Theater at on the that Lyric sidewalk Theater. Saturday morning. Yep. Plus, you know, about 300 and something other instances of shit that's going on all weekend long. So. so many short films, so many feature films, so many parties, so many special events, so many panels, so it's much stupid. of it's actually everything. Stupid. Why do we do this to ourselves? It's gross. Yeah, we shouldn't have done it. But uh, I hope you folks enjoy it. And the only way you can enjoy it is by going to SidewalkFest.com to get your tickets and passes right now. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words... Our expertise.